When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Titan-Sized Podcast. I am Luke Worsham, joined by one of the two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast. Will Lomas is with me. Matthias Wadner is from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he and his family have evacuated, actually, to Nashville for the time being uh, to avoid Hurricane Irma. So our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and everyone down there, and especially everyone in Houston, with all of these, these awful natural disasters that have gone on. Uh, but Matthias' absence will allow us to welcome a guest host into the show today because taking Matthias' place on the Titan Sized podcast today is a former writer for Titan Sized, Chrissy Freud. Thank you for joining us today, Chrissy. Good to be on. Uh, before we get into the show, we talked about it a little bit as we planned. I, I want to get your take or the origin story, I guess, of how your fascination with Alex Tanny began? Well, it was the very beginning of my career, and all I really had gone over was quarterbacks. It was all that I knew anything about. And so I started going through the Titans depth chart, and they have just added Alex Tanny. And I sent an email to his head coach, not his head coach, actually. Um, It was one of the defensive coaches at Monmouth that worked with him in college. And then I just kept studying him more and more, and then I got the uh, email back for my questions and wrote the article up on that. And then I guess I've just been following him ever since, and it's been almost two years now. So, When this happened, who were the other quarterbacks on the Titans roster? Was this the Mettenberger-Whitehurst locker year or after that? Um, I want to say it was – I know Mettenberger was there. And I think Whitehurst had just gotten cut. And then we had Mariota as well. So uh, yesterday, the Titans opened up the regular season at home against the Oakland Raiders. They fell. I don't even remember what the score was. I don't have it in front of me. But they did lose. Uh, It was a pretty close game. They did not turn the ball over, but they also did not score very many points. So let's start talking about that game. First point I want to hit on is the very first thing that happened in that game. I would say it shocked all 69,000 people that were in that stadium. Uh, and that is that Ryan Suckup opened up the game with an onside kick. Ryan Suckup, for whatever reason, is really bad at onside kicks because it just rolled right into the hands of the Raiders. Uh, What do you guys think about that decision? Because I was thinking about it earlier, and it's the kind of thing where if it had been successful, we'd be saying, oh, you know, coach stole possession. How smart was that? But the fact that it was so not only not successful, it just looked really bad. Hindsight kind of allows us to nitpick. So from kind of a neutral standpoint of the idea of, I guess, kicking an onside kick to start a game, what were you guys' thoughts on that? Well, that's not what I or really most other people would have called, I think. But when you really look back at it, it wasn't quite as an atrocious call as a lot of people would say it was. 
Um, 60% of onside kicks are successful, so the odds are ever so slightly in your favor. And I think that Malarkey did this because he thought the team would need that extra edge to win the game. And when you look at the final score, I think that he really did. But obviously, really costly play, easy touchdown for the Raiders, not a good decision in the end. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote something about this today. Um, So the game ended up being 26 to 16, which was 10 points. If if Malarkey's goal was to be aggressive and to win the situational football game, I get trying to steal a possession. That makes total sense. But you have to be consistent. You have to go for it in the red zone. You have to do these other things. You know, small things that add up to seven points instead of three points. You know, you can't choose to be aggressive to start and then back off of it after it doesn't work the first time. And I think that's kind of how he did it. I think, you know, he was afraid he let the air out of his team when he kicked the onside and he didn't get it back. And then after that, he tried to be conservative and just try to chip away and chip away, which is what he did at the beginning of the year last year. And it didn't work out for him very well. So uh, I think that's kind of something he was trying to change, but kind of backed out of. Um, I I think it was a fine decision. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, You you have to have some level of respect about your defense to do it. And everybody's healthy. They they weren't missing anybody from that. So you're never going to get more confident in your defense than you were yesterday. So I, 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 I stand by his decision. I think it was a fine decision. But yeah, I mean, looking back, when they didn't get it, I'm like, oh, that was kind of stupid. So, You mentioned that he spent the rest of the game, Malarkey did, just trying to chip away at the Raiders' lead. The Titans played from behind after the, after the Raiders scored on their opening touchdown. For essentially the entire game, they were tied after the Titans answered on the first possession with a touchdown. Overall in the game, I thought Marcus Mariota played a pretty good game. Lots of accurate throws. He did a good job of something he early in his career was not very good at of staying in the pocket, stepping up, going through your progressions and hitting the open receivers. But for whatever reason, all these people on Twitter and people calling in to 104.5 the zone after the game thought that Mariota was a terrible quarterback and, Oh, Derek Carr is just more experienced and he's going to be better. I thought both of those guys played a pretty even game, Mariota and Carr. What did you guys think of Mariota's performance? Because I honestly didn't see anything that bad or that questionable. Well, I think that this wasn't the Titans' best outing offensively, but I thought that Marcus Mariota looked pretty good, pretty healthy. The opening drive was very solid. He really showcased his mobility, and I liked the fact that he made some good plays with his legs. And I think there's a reason why the Oakland Raiders' main goal on defense the entire game was to contain the quarterback. But I do think he could have done more in the red zone. He's known for his accuracy in the red zone, for making big plays in the red zone, and obviously the Titans didn't really come up with that so much this time. Yeah, I mean, I think Mariota gets in a rhythm just about as well as any other quarterback. When he's hitting his back foot and finding his reads, he does really well. Um, sometimes the guys just don't get open. But once he started to get into a flow with Rashard Matthews, it, I was like, okay, this is almost midseason Mariota at this point. And then, you know, he was distributing to Corey Davis and Delaney Walker and even hit uh, Taewon Taylor for a couple of passes. I, I mean, I... I think he looked good. I think he might have been trying to distribute the ball a little bit too much. And I think the more comfortable he gets with this receiving core, the more he'll take those bigger chances. Um, but, I mean, I have no problem with the way Mariota played. He ran, he ran for the only touchdown of the game for the Titans, and he got him into the 10-yard line twice other than that. I mean, you can't lead somebody on a 93-yard uh, series and then 
you know, kick a field goal, unfortunately. But you don't lead some lead a team 93 yards down the field if you have a bad day as a quarterback, you know, if that unless that was your one outlier. Uh, I, I thought he did well. I'm glad you guys bring up the red zone inefficiency because that's kind of what I point to as the big reason that the Titans lost yesterday. They were terrible in the red zone. And I don't have as big of a problem with the play call of the toss to the strong side to DeMarco Murray. The play call I had the big problem with was on that 93-yard drive on first and goal. They ran a bubble screen to Eric Decker, of all players, which went absolutely nowhere. Um, what do you think the the red zone inefficiency came down to? Like, I, Was it the play calling? Because I didn't have too big a problem with the play calling, especially the read option that allowed Mariota to score untouched. Well, I guess part of it was the play calling, but also the Raiders played really, really well on defense. And I think that that's something that the Titans are going to have to overcome because the Jaguars have a very, very stout defense that they're going to be going up against probably even harder than the Raiders this this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to blame the play calling, but like you said earlier with the onside kick, if the execution was there, it, it everything works. That's just how play calling works. You know, if everybody does their job and doesn't get beaten, then, you know, you win 100-0. to So I, I don't... I don't know what I really blame it on. I, I would I would like to think that if you went back and knew what you knew now, that Corey Davis and Rashard Matthews would be getting the looks that Eric Decker got, and you know maybe Delaney Walker would have been used more early. Uh, you know, small things and guys to target that I don't think were really emphasized enough pregame and didn't really adjust till halftime. But I I, I don't know I. Anytime you get in the red zone, your offense is doing well. And anytime you take the ball out of Mariota's hands in the red zone, it's a bad idea. So I, I wouldn't ever run the ball. But at the same time, you'd like to see him do something smart, like spread everybody out, go you know, four wide receivers, two mm-hmm. on the left, two on the right, and then just run up the middle with that empty box. And then if you don't get the numbers you want there, throw it outside. But that's easy to say, and there's got to be a reason why they didn't do it. So I'm, I'm going to de- defer to Rabisky here, but... I hope that changes down the road and we see that efficiency again. One last thing about Mariota before we move on. At the beginning of last season against the Minnesota Vikings, even in the Detroit Lions game that they won and they played in Houston, Mariota was in a slump, almost like a baseball player that's hitting under 200. I mean, he just looked awful. He was turning the ball over constantly. He was fumbling every time he passed with the, the line of scrimmage with the ball. Yesterday, he was 25 of 41 for 256. No touchdowns, but more importantly, no interceptions and no fumbles. And overall, zero turnovers for the offense. I think unlike last year, where the first game was kind of a debacle in the second half against the Vikings, this is something you can build upon. Well, for the first those first two years that Mariota played, this was a bad football team. Very little offensive weapons, very bad offensive line. So I think... In a way, you can kind of give him an excuse, and then the coaching got better after that as well. So I believe that all of that combined is what helps make Mar- Marcus Mariota better this year. Yeah, I mean, it helps that he didn't make those back-breaking mistakes that really hurt last year, like the fumbles returned. and you know, it, it Having a more efficient, you know, no touchdown passes, but no interceptions, no fumbles, and a rushing touchdown – you should be able to win like that if you have a good running game. Now, I think 
no touchdowns. That that may be the last time we see that all season with Mariota. I, I don't expect there to be many games like that. But, you know, last year we started off the season scoring 16 points, 15 points, 10 points, and 20 points before we really started going. So I, I'm not – I don't feel like this team is behind last year's team. I, I, I would like to think they're more in front, you know, playing a tough Raiders defense. It, the front really did better than I expected. You know, Eddie Vanderdose and Khalil Mack, they, they're they much tougher than I gave them credit for when I was looking back last year. But, no, I, I think Mariota's starting off stronger than he did, and hopefully that leads to higher highs. So two of the more anticipated performances yesterday – were the Titans' two first-round draft picks, Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson. Jackson starting because of the injury to LaShawn Sims, and Corey Davis getting his first-ever action in an actual game in a Titans uniform as he did not participate in the preseason. Both of them, I thought, had a very, had very good games. Adoree Jackson started out a little bit rough, but he continually got better in coverage, had a couple of passes defended, uh, and he looked outstanding in the return game. And as for Davis... Uh, that catch he made on, I guess it was like the 20-yard the line, the 18-yard line over the defender. Who, who was that defender, by the way? Uh, the Corey Davis catch was yeah. Amerson. Okay, that catch over David Amerson. Both of the Titans' first-round picks had great games, and I, and I think that that, more than anything you saw yesterday, gives a lot of hope for this season as they're only going to get better from what we saw yesterday. Yeah, I think it was a really good record regular season debut for both rookies and I'll start with Jackson here so overall really good debut for Adoree Jackson came up with four tackles couple of pass breakups showed off a lot of athleticism throughout the game especially on the kickoff gave up a bunch of big plays as well but then again he is a rookie and he's also going up against two of the league's top wide receivers and then with Davis he flashed a ton of potential in the opener and this is a player that I was not sold on in the beginning at all but he's really starting to grow on me um, he's He was targeted 10 times, and he was the top offensive target for the day there. Ended up with six catches for 69 yards. Super impressive for a rookie, and honestly not even a terrible day for the average receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Adore Jackson did really well, and then everybody started talking about how he let four of seven targets go for 47 yards and a touchdown, which was apparently like 113 passer rating, which seemed insane to me that you complete slightly more than half your passes and happen to get lucky and get a touchdown. There, there's no weight there for the fact that on third and one from the red zone, he knocked away uh, a pass that ended up, you know, it was a four point play. Uh, I, I think he did very well. Um, Pro Football Focus came out with something today that was uh, rookie cornerback's yards per cover snap, and he only allowed 1.34, which is pretty solid. Uh, I mean, you, you don't get much better than that from rookies that tend to struggle early. So, you know, with all all that said, I think people are underestimating how many plays he actually played and how good that receiving core is. Um, I'm a huge Corey Davis fan, so I, I'm never – I mean, you won't catch me saying something negative about Corey Davis unless he really messes up. So I thought – you know, I thought that was everything you want to see from Corey Davis. You know, maybe you want to see him catch a quick slant and take take a three-yard catch and turn it into 12 yards. But, you know, he, he wasn't playing the whole game, so that'll come. But that deep pass down the right sideline that we were talking about earlier was great. You know, it's something that we hadn't seen from anybody other than Richard Matthews once or twice last year. You know, the, the Matt Castle game comes to mind. But, 
you know, I thought they did really well, and I, I don't see anything but positive things from them. You know, Adoree Jackson didn't slip or bite on a fake and get burned deep, and Corey Davis didn't fumble the ball or have any big drops. It just made you scratch your head. And that's kind of what you want, is you want to limit the mistakes and slowly transition into being a solid contributor. And that, that's what I thought we saw. Chrissy, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that you weren't necessarily sold on Corey Davis early in the offseason. Because I was kind of in that same boat ever since I read in a draft guide that his NFL comparison would be Jordan Matthews. I was not sold on him. I just pulled out the notes I had taken on the draft. I wrote that he lacks the athleticism and ability to separate necessary to, necessary to be a number one. Jordan Matthews comparison uh, won't consistently dictate coverage. Were you kind of thinking along those same lines? Because I feel good because I finally found someone that felt the same way I did. Yeah, there was really just nothing about him that stuck out to me. There was no big wow factor that everyone else seemed to see, and I just didn't get that. But now that I've seen him in practice more, I've seen him play games now, I think that he has a very high ceiling, really a lot of potential in this league. What is happening? Corey Davis was amazing. (laughs) I don't know how – I mean – I, I don't like this baffles me. I mean, Corey Davis was amazing. I mean, he would take curl routes and turn around. He burned Kevin Byard deep when Byard had like a twenty yard cushion on him. I mean, he killed everybody he played. He's the all time leading receiver in college. What are y'all talking about? He's six four. He's so fast. He has great hands. Well, maybe I'm just not easily impressed. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe the the <laughs> best statistical receiver of all time is just not impressive enough. And kudos to you for your high I standards. I don't do best statistical. We both know this. <laughs> God, that's that's fair, I guess. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have I have my guys, and he was like, okay, so like for reference, I don't think Jamal Adams was that good. Like everybody mm. was in love with Jamal. I, Adams, I didn't like Jamal I, Adams either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I love a strong safety in the top ten. Much like you know, you can talk about being the second coming of whoever you want, but you know, <laughs> until you have five Pro Bowls, I don't feel bad for passing on anybody with a top ten pick that plays strong safety, tight end, or guard. I, I've learned my lesson. <laughs> So, and I mean, like I said, maybe I'm overrating Corey Davis and I bought into the narrative. And But, I mean, every time I, you know, and I went back and watched every game he played and I, I was a big fan. But people see different things and he's a Titan now, so hope, hopefully it all works out and I was right and y'all were wrong and that'll work out perfect. One of the big scares for the Titans during the preseason was the fact that the offensive line looked kind of atrocious and that the running game averaged like 2.7 or 8 yards per carry when the starting offensive line was in. And all you ever heard was, oh, they were good last year, they are going to have a hangover, whatever. They were outstanding yesterday, particularly LeJuan and Conklin on the edge. Marcus Mariota very rarely was pressured, and when he was, he had a lane to step into and make the throws. Well, I think that preseason is preseason. And a lot of things that happen in preseason, you can't count on to happen in the regular season. Just like the Jaguars beating the Patriots, it's not going to happen in the regular season. And kind of, I guess, stretching the concept, but that does carry over into this topic. I am a firm believer that this is arguably the best offensive line in the league. And Lawan and Conklin are definitely the best bookends in the league. And they continue to look like that on Sunday. And the Titans faced a really stout defense against them with the Raiders, and they managed to only come up with one sack. And I think they're going to really have to carry that on to next week's contest because the Jaguars' defense is looking a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I mean, top four maybe 
offensive line. I, I don't know who else you would bet on if you had to try down offensive line today. And if you had to say in five years, which offensive line would you like to have over that time? It's got to be the Titans. I think the average age is like 24 and a half or 25 for the Titans. I mean, the oldest guy on the team is Ben Jones and he's barely into his second contract. Uh, I mean, they're young, they're talented, they're very athletic. Jim, Jim Coburn knows that. And he talked about that some on the podcast. The Titans are really into athletic offensive linemen and, you know, you don't think think of Jack Conklin and Taylor Wan as supreme athletes, but they are deceptively fast and strong. You know, Lawan's a freak. yeah, Lawan's crazy. Like six seven, like real, like like kind of kind of like longer than six seven should be, which is kind of weird too. But he's fast and he's mean, and he I mean he could be a six foot tall center and just be the meanest dude on the field. You know, he was just blessed with extra athletic ability and talent but you know I, I don't know who you would take over that time so it was great to see them step up uh i i've got no complaints with them the guy that i think quentin spain had one play where he kind of let his guy go on a key play but you know until i go back and really break down the line and the blocking scheme like i on paper and live it looked good on the other side of the ball, uh, the Oakland Raiders offensive line absolutely bullied the Titans' front seven. Marshawn Lynch looked fantastic in his first game out of retirement. And Brian Arakpo, Jarrell Casey, Derek Morgan, Jones, Klug, Johnson, whoever was in there, Walden even, who, who got a lot of snaps as a pass rusher, none of them were able to bring consistent pressure. Yes, there were two sacks, but they came on back-to-back plays that were like second and 15 that turned into a second and a third and 21. I mean, other than those two plays, there was zero pass rush or pressure from the Titans. Well, I mean, this is a area that the Titans have struggled with for quite a while now. There's not a lot of depth, a lot of young new guys. So this didn't really surprise me. It's not going to be a quick fix. And they perform pretty much exactly as I expected them to there. There's a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's clearly missing on the team is speed. You, you know, speed from a defensive tackle getting off this. And this is nothing against Jarrell Casey. You know, when you go against the best guard center guard tandem in the NFL, because I believe that's what they are, it's tough to make hay. I mean, you're really not going to shine there, especially when they're only bringing four a lot of the times. I think the scheme really hurt the Titans, too. They, they seemed afraid to send a linebacker and afraid to send five. And David Carr or Derek Carr just took, took a step back and just, slung it quick i mean against that there's nothing really you can do unless you're committed to playing underneath coverage and being real aggressive with your defensive line but they didn't run any games there weren't a lot of twist stunts the only thing they really did to kind of get a pass rush is they brought in eric walden brian rackpo and Derek morgan and they played them in the b gap and beyond on both sides which is so strange lineup too it was it was a really weird look and uh, it doesn't. It doesn't help because it kind of dictates. You know, we those two have those two, and then if you've got a center, you can slide your protection, or if you've got a back in the backfield, you can slide your protection and really neutralize that because there's not any question about where anybody's going to go. And there's just no quick to it. I mean, there's there's no quick slant or quick cut that a guy can make to really hurt you. So. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the game plan they had. I don't like the way the defense, the defensive line, especially played in terms of no stunts and pretty vanilla. So uh, again, I don't know how much of that Dick LeBeau's installing. I don't know how much of that is because 
Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan are just maybe a year older and they're maybe a step slower. But Derek Morgan had a good day and Brian Arakpo seemed to be back. So I really don't know what the answer is there. But I expect when you don't go against a team like Oakland that can quick pass it like that, like let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are a more run-heavy team and who you can really blitz and get into, I think that'll change. The narrative for the Titans this offseason was improving the weapons around Mariota. Uh, they went out, they got Corey Davis, they went out and got Eric Decker. Because last year, other than Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker, who were both pretty good, uh, Mariota was throwing to guys like Harry Douglas, Tajay Sharp, and Mr. Banana Peel himself, Kendall Wright. So <laughs> yesterday, the Titans, with these new weapons, instead of running this exotic smash mouth that we've heard about for the last year and a half where they run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and then boom, they do something weird, whether it be play action or emotion, and they work a play down the field. It was pass, pass, pass to try to open up the run game. They got away from their identity to the point where 77% of their snaps were in three wide receiver sets, which is completely shocking because you especially would have figured with the addition of Jonu Smith through the draft that they would run much more two tight end, three tight end sets. I felt like they got away from their identity, and that was a big reason why they struggled, not only in the red zone, but all over the field to move the ball consistently. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. You you think three wide receivers, more versatile, more big play potential, and to, to some extent, that's right. I mean, Delaney Walker, Rashard Matthews, and Corey Davis all had catches for more than 20 yards at some point. So it, that is working, but you kind of miss the ground and pound, four yards, four yards, four yards, 10 yards, you know, and then you've, you've converted twice and you're down the field. You know, the, those things take an emotional and just kind of mental toll on the defense when they just – offense just lines up and imposes their will as opposed to kind of the gashing plays that you try to get with the three-wide set. You know, having said that, they still ran the ball 21 times. They they didn't top 100 yards, whatever. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher. That's fine. I mean, they averaged four and a half yards a carry, and Mariota was very active in the run game, which is part, you know, it, you can't talk about the exotic smash mouth without talking about how explosive the read option can be out of it, and that's what they showed. I mean, that's how the touchdown was – the only touchdown of the game for the Titans was scored. So – are they less exotic smash mouth? Probably. Do I think they need to go all the way back? No. I think with the receivers you have, especially once Taewon Taylor and Corey Davis really get into this playbook and start making plays, I think you'll. I think everybody will be on board with the three wide receiver sets. So let's let's move on and take a view of how the rest of the AFC South fared yesterday. Two teams from the AFC South faced each other the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. I didn't watch the game. I only saw highlights afterwards. Chrissy, I know you watched that game in its entirety, and I'm pretty sure you're about to tell us how great the Houston Texans looked and Deshaun Watson's going to have to wait a while because Tom Savage is their savior. No, not at all. The Texans looked very, very bad, obviously. They got shut out. Offensive line did not look the best. And they're definitely going to have to re-examine that quarterback situation because Savage holds the ball way too long and went down way too many times and he didn't need to. At what point was it that Deshaun Watson came in the game? Because I saw tweets about it. Like, what was the situation? Was Tom Savage 
just just really struggling. What did it look like to you when Watson came in the game? It was towards the end of the first half, and Savage had been every time I looked at the TV, he was getting sacked. <laughs> so it just he they could get nothing going on offense, couldn't move down the field enough, and he was like I said, he was holding the ball way too long, and it just it was a lost cause. And everyone has been calling for Watson, and I think it was the time. What was what was J.J. Uh, Watt able to do in his first game back from being out a very long time? That I did not look at. I was looking more at offense than defense. I heard something about him being injured. Did either of you understand anything about that? Let, let, me, let me tell you what I saw because I watched the replay this morning. Um, so apparently he was – fine for the first half or whatever and then at some point he he at somebody said i didn't notice it somebody said that he came out with a cast on his hand and i was like okay and then apparently what happened well what he said happened is that (laughs) the bone came through the skin on his finger and that the doctors let him go back in which seems mm-hmm. far-fetched. I, I'm not 100% sure a doctor can just let you go back in if your bone is sticking out of your skin. <laughs> um, but J.J. Watt's the toughest man on earth, so I, I don't I don't know. But, I mean, they had – I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think they had any sacks. No, they didn't have any sacks mm-hmm. and only had three tackles for loss all day. I mean, that's bad. Like, you know, you know who didn't have a tackle for loss or a sack? obviously Clowney and Watt the guys the guys that everybody said were going to just eat all year long they go against a bad Jacksonville team a, a, and a, you know say what you want they have a bad offensive line you can't you can't convince me otherwise i've watched them i know the guys on their line they're not above average anywhere except for maybe center uh, so for them to not make any hay when i mean and Bortles threw it like he threw it 20 times, 21 times. It completed 11 of them. So you're not going to get a ton of sacks out of that. But one, you know, one sack maybe or a tackle for loss when they ran it a million times. You know, do something. You know, all we heard was how Clowney was ready for this transcendent year and how his value wasn't just his sacks that he didn't have. It was how he contributed in the run game. Well, you just got run on by a rookie who went for, <laughs> you know, 100 yards. Now, granted, it took him like 25 carries to get to 100 yards. It's not exactly great. But, you know, Chris Ivory looked like he was making plays when he was in. You know, they, they just looked, you know, I don't want to call him incompetent, but it looked like they had several holes everywhere. And I was criticized for last week talking about how I thought the defense had several holes on it and how it wasn't as good as everybody was thinking. Lo and behold, they come out and lay an egg and let Jacksonville score 29 <laughs> points on them. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I guess I just feel vindicated. What about from Jacksonville's perspective? Because I know that Leonard Fournette touched the ball a lot, and I know that Blake Bortles touched the ball not a lot. Um, <laughs> That was kind of the story of their offense, but the defense, on the other hand, was completely dominating. Ten sacks and pretty much zero production from the Houston Texans offense. Uh, We always hear about how good the Jags defense is. I don't know if this is for real or not, but it at least gets you thinking, especially since the Titans are facing the Jags next week, about just how many talented players they do have on defense. Yeah, I mean, they, they're fairly talented. I mean, they, they've got very good defensive linemen. I, I'm not – I don't know. I, I don't know if it was more 
a bad offensive line from Houston who's playing without Dwayne Brown, who was the only really starting quality player on that offensive line to begin with. I don't know if it was Tom Savage holding the ball, which he did. I mean, he, he would have three-step drops where he held it for an extra two seconds before he got sacked. And at a certain point, that sacks on the quarterback. So I'm not sure how much you attribute that to the defensive players. But, you know, the I, I see Miles Jack getting hyped and pumped up and stuff. I didn't notice him at all in the game I watched. Uh, Jalen Ramsey looked very good. Uh, A.J. Boye, not so much. But it, Gibson looked fine. I mean, they, they've got pieces, but you always, you know, worry. You know, I mean – Denver had pieces last year, but they didn't have a quarterback. You know, and they didn't have a bad quarterback. They just didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they they didn't have, you know, Blake Bortles, who's going to lead the league in interceptions when it's all said and done. But, uh, you know, I I think this team is going to be really good if they don't have to score a lot of points. Their score is inflated because they had a defensive touchdown um, and a couple of turnovers. So they had some short fields to work with. So, I, I don't know. I, I think this is more mirage than anything, but they do have some talented defensive players that are going to win them some games. We've talked a lot on here about how, without Andrew Luck, the Colts team is T.Y. Hilton and an aging Vontae Davis. Uh, yesterday, that proved to be 100% true because the Colts were absolutely destroyed by... Uh, I don't even remember who they played. I just remember that, that they got beat and, and that Scott told The Rams. Rams. The Rams. Los Angeles. I, I, I think the Rams offensively and defensively are a pretty good football team if Jared Goff ends up being decent. But on the Colts' side of things, what a rough way to start the season. And now looking at it, I don't know that they're going to be any good when Luck gets back because they just don't have any talent around him still after all of these years of having Luck. He's going into, what, his sixth year this season, and they still don't have any talent around him other than T.Y. Hilton, who was taken in the same draft as Andrew Luck. This uh, It's kind of a similar situation as we saw with the Titans. If you have, It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is if you don't have any weapons around him, you're not going to get anything going. And I think that this is the year that the Colts finished last in the AFC South. And I don't see them get, getting anything going later on this season, either even when Luck does return. Yeah, I mean, that's very possible. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot about this game because there's not much to talk about. The Colts got smoked. I mean, it wasn't close and it never was. Um, but everybody's talking about how big of a loss it is. that They don't not just – Andrew Luck, but Vontae Davis and Ryan Kelly. Well, the Rams were playing without the best defensive player on the planet in Aaron Donald. I mean, you can make a case for a couple other guys, but Donald is one of the most dominant players at a position where dominance rarely shows up. I mean, he, he's a guy who can make cornerback money at defensive tackle. That's how good he is. So, I mean, he didn't play at all. I mean, if he would have played against a backup center for Indianapolis – they would have lost. They would not have scored a point until they took him out. I mean, so for as as comprehensive of a loss as it was, they got they played a team that won three or four games last year, and they played them without their best player. So this is only going to get worse for the Colts. One last topic before we close out the show. It was announced today in Mike Malarkey's Monday press conference that starting strong safety Jonathan Cyprian will more than likely miss multiple weeks with an arm injury that he suffered yesterday. 
first, he, he looked awful yesterday. Missed several tackles that you wouldn't expect someone who is as, usually as good a tackler as he is. You wouldn't expect him to miss those tackles. But now the Titans are met with the question of who do they get to replace him? Do they let Denore Searcy play strong safety and leave Bayard at free? Do they move Bayard to strong safety and let Denore Searcy play free? Are we going to get another situation like last year where we have a rotation with guys like Curtis Riley and Kalen Reed? What do you expect from the Titans' safety situation over the next couple of weeks while Jonathan Cyprian is unavailable? Um, I think I, ex- I expect to see the rotation here a little bit of experimenting since he is new and he is out. I'm not really not really sure about this topic, honestly. I don't do defense. <laughs> oh, I, I, I defense. really don't. I I'm very. If you have not noticed, my knowledge on defense is extremely limited. I was talking to Amy about it. Like it's something that I'm working on. It's bad. <laughs> what? Let me. At defense is my thing. Let's let's talk about defense. Like <laughs> you go okay. ahead. I'm a quarterback yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I would play Denora Cersei there, and I would just make the roles interchangeable. I, I mean, I would play Denora at, at starting it strong and Kevin Byard at free, and then if you want an explosive playmaker versus the run, walk Byard up. Let let Cersei kind of freelance. You know, if it's third and two, bring Kevin Byard in the box. Don't don't put that strain on somebody else. Let let your players play. So. I mean, I think you're going to have to be a little bit smarter and play more situational football than you had in the past. But, you know, I think he, I think he actually had a hamstring injury. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's a bad hamstring injury and he can't, like, really move around on it for a couple of weeks or if it's a small hamstring injury, they just don't want him to re-aggravate it yet. So, I mean, uh, it, when you go down the hamstring injury, which is what I think Cyprian had, you worry about your speed and your mobility, but they haven't added anybody new. So first and foremost, I think that that's important. I think they're comfortable with the people they have on the roster, uh, which is Denora Cersei. You know, Cersei was a big free agent pickup from Buffalo a couple of years ago, and he just never really panned out. I wonder if they don't use him as a strong safety on base downs, and then if it's third and two, put Kevin Byard in the box if you want to make a play against the run. You know, put your playmakers in positions to make plays, and then for everything else, you can just kind of split it up the way that they had Cyprian, and then, you know, just say cover for as long as you can on the back end. I'm going to rush the quarterback like he did against Oakland. So, you know, I don't I, – I don't know. I, I don't – worry too much about it because i don't think cyprian had a particularly strong game and so i thought we saw what the worst case scenario for this defense was if cyprian wasn't good so if cersei can just kind of hold it together then that they should be fine chrissy thank you so much for joining us in matthias's absence we really appreciate it and you've been fantastic of course uh, let everybody know real quick before we close out where they can follow you on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, Google Plus, AOL Instant <laughs> Messenger. <laughs> well, really, all that I use as far as sports goes is Twitter, and that's Chrissy underscore Freud. But I don't know how like helpful that is, considering that most people don't know how to spell my name. So Chrissy from Three's Company, and then Freud spelled like Floyd, but with an R instead. <laughs> Uh, that <laughs> Chrissy from uh, Three's Company is the best way you can explain how to spell your name. <laughs> uh, we we will be back later in the week to preview the Titans' upcoming matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We fully expect Matias to be back with us when that happens. 
Uh, but until then, for Chrissy Freud, for Will Lomas, I am Luke Worsham. We will talk to everybody next time.